Hi, I'm David Cross, and you might know me from all the work I've done on election integrity, but you may not know that I own U.S. Asset Management, an investment advisory company where our job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we won't do is invest your money with big companies that are trying to push the woke agenda. If you have your money invested with one of the big firms, there's a pretty good chance your money is feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Look up U.S. Asset Management at us-am.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our CDM Global Conversation uh, in Plain Sight. We started this show over a year ago, May 2022, because of what was going on at the World Health Organization and our conversations on Sundays are directed to letting people know that there are global issues that affect us here uh, at home nationally and also in other countries. And so we're honored today to have back with us one of our ongoing contributors, Dr. Merle Nass. Merle, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me again, Christine. Well, uh, I have noticed in the last couple of weeks, you are writing as if this is a floodgate about everything that's going on with the WHO. You know, there's a lot. And, and I think that we ought to just begin today because people are not paying. We've talked about this. People are not paying as a, attention to what's happening at the WHO in terms of our national sovereignty, our health sovereignty. And let's unpack this from the beginning. We know that there was in 2005, the international health regulations, and we know that there were amendments made by the Biden administration in January of 2022 in writing, even though they were discussed during the transition and before. And uh, James Wogusky, uh, you know, got a hold of them and he's, he's done great work reporting on this as you have too. And so let's let's talk about what's in these amendments, because people need to know that we are in the process of doing something that's never happened in the history of the United States. We have a president sitting in the Oval Office who's willing to turn over our health sovereignty under the auspices of the World Health Organization, the secretary general, the six regional directors, which means if something breaks out in Nebraska, they're going to decide at the WHO how to respond and what the policy is usurping whoever sits in the Oval Office. And that's pretty scary because when we start talking about, you know, southern borders or northern borders and immigration issues, what we're now talking about is wiping off the Treaty of Westphalia as, as a uh, notion here in the United States. And it's just not part of the, you know, 2024 election the way it should be. So Merle, take it from the beginning. Okay, we've got these these amendments and what do they say and what do they wipe away? Okay, so um, ever since at least 1969, there have been, uh, there has been a re international health regime managed by the WHO that gave recommendations to countries about what they should do. And it was set up 
to deal with problems like smallpox and malaria, typhus, typhoid. So if a country had an outbreak, then people who were traveling through that country were expected to be vaccinated if there was a vaccine for that illness, and it would be checked when they crossed borders. So that's basically what it was about back in 1969. Subsequently, these um, international health regulations have been amended in 2005 and then twice amended a little bit since then. But a huge major set of amendments was um, envisioned first by the United States and now by all the countries, the 194 countries who are members of the WHO, and they're called the World Health Assembly. Um, what, and, and this is all under the guise of the pandemic. You know, we, we didn't manage the pandemic well, and therefore the World Health Organization needs more power so that it can direct countries how to do it better next time. And there's no acknowledgement that the WHO is the one that gave us such bad advice for the pandemic. So and, this, and used, this used to be what we would call, you know, when you and I were in school, there was a book called The Peter Principle. You know, we just, we just, you know, give people a new job and with a different title, more responsibility, more money, even if they're incompetent. Right, exactly. And so by, and now the WHO never admits it's incompetent. It doesn't admit it incompetently handled the um, Ebola outbreaks of 2014 and 2018. It doesn't admit it, it did an awful job on the swine flu pandemic that turned out to be milder than a normal flu in 2009. Mm -hmm. It doesn't admit that it, it's full of nepotism and, and corruption. And everybody who works there knows that. So anyway, it's a, it's an organization. It's a bureaucracy. It actually, up until now, doesn't have a lot of money. Its its budget was generally under four mil, four billion dollars a year. Um, you know, compare that to the UN, where the budget is more like sixty billion dollars a year, or to most companies. So, what happened is the United States put forward uh, about a dozen amendments to be. Uh, changed last year, in January of last year. And most of the nations were not ready for this, didn't want it. And so the US withdrew all of them except for uh, one. And the countries last year in May of 2022 went along with that one amendment, which speeded up the process of changing the amendments in future, okay? so. Um, Another thing that happened last year was that the countries agreed that as a result of this COVID pandemic, they needed a pandemic treaty. Now, it wasn't ever clear. No one's explained why we need a pandemic treaty when we already have the international health amendments that handle all the issues of health. But for some reason, we needed a new pandemic treaty. Who's, who's, pushing, who's pushing that, Merle? So I mean we think it's pushed by the United States primarily because they're the ones who started this whole process. Um, but the United States has probably inveigled other countries to submit um, draft amendments. So actually, when the rest of the world was encouraged to submit amendments, 307 were submitted. 307 amendments. By 94 countries that are members of the WHO. And we do know we do know that for the amendments that were initially submitted to the WHO, 
And it was really the U.S. putting putting them forth that, in fact, there were 46 other countries, many of which were in the EU. Yeah, that agreed. Right. Mm -hmm. but the uh, developing countries did not agree. And, the, and Africa has a lot of countries. Africa has about 50 countries. And they stood up and said, uh-uh. And um, it was clear that it wasn't going to get through. They were hoping to push it through before anyone realized what was happening last year. That didn't work. So they've come back again this year with their 307 potential amendments. And now, although they have a they have a couple of different committees, they've had a review committee and another committee to try to harmonize these amendments, create something you know workable out of them because mm -hmm. too many and they're overlapping. And then at the same time, this pandemic treaty is being negotiated, which overlaps the amendments. So there are at least three different country groups negotiating these things. And then there's a whole group within the WHO of, of bureaucrats who are trying to also influence the direction of these two documents. All right, the, the first important thing to remember is when they presented the amendments um, late last year, they removed the language that said, um, basically emergency actions need to consider dignity, freedom of persons and human rights. That got crossed out. So that which is, which is ironic, considering the WHO comes under the auspices of the United Nations, and the United Nations was formed in the, after World War II based upon human rights. Correct. But um, one can see that these organizations have been co-opted or taken over, and now the intention is to basically get rid of human rights. Okay, why do they want to do that? Well, because they want to do a lot of other things. Um, the WHO and the US government is in on this 100% has, has... When you say the US government, you're talking about the Biden administration. Yes, sorry, the Biden administration um, has taken on the mantle of a concept called One Health, which is changing health. So health we think of as, you know, basically medical care and eating healthily, you know, et cetera. No, One Health is focused on the relationship between humans, animals, plants, and environments. So health is no longer about your individual health, but it's about social systems and geographic systems. And all of that has to be considered together. So this, does that bring in climate change into this as yes. well? Okay. Exactly. So climate change now is a main driver of health, according to this concept. And so if we want health, the WHO now is in a position to demand changes in our lifestyle to improve the climate, you know, to reduce global warming or to do something else, you know, uh, carbon emissions, right? Exactly. Cars. exactly. Uh, so we need to, so people need to connect the dots that when we talk about electrical cars, it may be actually because of a policy that in fact is emanating 
well, it's not fully developed at the WHO, but it's but it's in con, in, in in collusion with in the in conjunction WHO. with the WHO. The WHO as part as a a uh, partner with other globalist organizations is trying to roll out what they call, you know, the Great Reset, what the WEF calls the Great Reset. The WHO hasn't named it, but they are partners. The, the World Economic Forum has partnered with the UN and partnered with the WHO. And so they, they have the same goals. And the United States government has also partnered with them. And so has the European Union. And, and Chatham House, which is comparable to our uh, Council on Foreign Relations here based out of New York. Exactly. And the UK. And, you know, we don't hear that much about New Zealand and Australia, but they too, and, and Canada, of course, are going along with it. So, mm -hmm. so the idea... There's a, link that, there's a link there we need to explain to people, because even though the World Economic Forum was started in 1971, as I recollect, um, and Klaus Schwab, who has headed it ever since, is a protege. I don't know if he's a protege, but he certainly, certainly was very, you know, best buddies with uh, Henry Kissinger for years. And this was set up to take a look at the global policies. Um, but it was very, it's, it's a very elitist group at the same time. And so we, we have this convergence now where they are, these people are usurping individual rights, which is, you know, philosophically and politically, it's against, it's the antithesis of the U.S. Constitution. Right, and the U.N. Constitution and mm -hmm. the WHO Constitution. Um, and yes, um, Klaus Schwab was a protege of um, Kissinger. Kissinger was the manager of a, an, um, educational program, a graduate program at Harvard that Schwab attended. And that is how they hooked up and have worked together ever since. Um, around that same time, uh, actually a few years before that, Kissinger had authored or nominally authored a report for the State Department um, that talked about population control. And, and, and his, you know, there's something that, that people don't understand about this population control, which I think is fascinating, is that when Richard Nixon ran for president in 1968, he said the greatest threat was overpopulation at that point in time. He also he ran on that platform. Kissinger had written that that uh, that report that was I think it was classified for almost 10 or 12 years for a long period of time about the threat. And in that, that day and error, um, people talked about the, the, there was overpopulation, there wasn't enough food to feed the planet. And there were books and there were, even in Washington, D.C. at DuPont Circle, they had a population, world population clock that was on a building that housed the Federation for American Immigration Reform that actually was a collection. It was a bunch of people who... who really war for overpopulation. And if you got deep down into their relationships, many of them were eugenicists. Yes. Yes. And, and exactly. so this this is this is not some cockamamie conspiracy theory. There's there's a book that I'm reading right now about eugenicists going back, you know, over a hundred years. So this this overpopulation, depopulation, whatever you want to call it, has been on the table, but it surfaces I, I guess it, it's, it becomes transparent um, at certain points in history, and this happens to be one of them. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
So they, they claim that there isn't enough food uh, to feed everybody actually is not true. And yeah. if the globalists believed it, they would not be trying to destroy farms, which is what they're doing now. So in Holland, people have been told immediately 3,000 farms have to close down and the farmers cannot go. They'll be paid for their farm. Um, it will be shut down and they cannot farm anywhere else in the European Union. Which is insanity. I mean, subsidizing people not to work. We've done this in the past in the United States in our agricultural policy at times, but it has has sort of an economic uh, component to it as opposed to a philosophical uh, or political point, which is what they're doing with the Dutch farmers. Right. So with the Dutch farmers, um, they've, they've been told that up to 40% of farms will have to shut down. Holland is the number two food exporter in the world after the United States. So they have very, very efficient farms. Those are the ones they've chosen to shut down. Um, why is this? Well, the first excuse was that cows were belching too much methane. Methane was a um, greenhouse gas. Therefore, cows were causing climate change. Well, people didn't really take to that idea too well, although it's still being promulgated. So then they said, well, the, the um, fertilizer, the, not fertilizer, but the manure from the cows was a problem and it was contaminating the waterways. And of course, water is very precious in Holland, very important. You know, they're, they're under sea level for a, a lot of uh, the Netherlands yeah. is under sea level and um, they have to manage water much more carefully than most countries. So that was the claim. Now, there are fixes for both those problems. And in fact, farmers have been told this for a couple of decades. So many of the fixes have already been put into place. But um, the, the government is now asking for fixes that are too expensive and too impossible to do. Although one fix is relatively easy, and that is feeding the cows a mix that contains um, seaweed. Some seaweeds have been shown to reduce. So it's basically the fodder that they've been, been given results in methane expulsion. Well, if that's a problem, feed them something else, right? That doesn't cause the methane. And Agriculture. So is this is this coming down from the WHO, Klaus Schwab? That's the pressure that's being put on the Netherlands. So, what happened is the Netherlands, and remember, Mark Rutte was a young global leader of the World Economic Forum. He's a graduate. He was, He's a graduate of the program that Klaus Schwab started, which and uh, President Macron in France, uh, Justin Trudeau in, in Canada, and, and several other right. several this other global leaders who are now part. And, and, and this is, again, this is not a conspiracy because uh, Klaus Schwab brags about it, how he has been able to have people who have graduated from his program at the World uh, Economic Forum in, bureau in government bureaucracies all over the world. Right. Angela Merkel is another. Mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom is another. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, um, Mark Zuckerberg, Bezos, you know, they have uh, sussed out who the people were that they could basically bring over to their belief system and then push it out to the rest of the world. So they've been extremely successful in this. Um, anyway, so the, the, 
The methane issue is probably a fake issue because the U.S. Um, Department of the Environment says that only that agriculture only contributes 10% to greenhouse gases, that other you know, industries contribute much more. And that agriculture, if it's done organically and is putting back carbon into the soil, actually can be a net sink. In other words, it, it gives you a negative carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So it's actually helpful. So you would think that encouraging farmers to do organic farming and to um, make their farms a net carbon sink, if in fact carbon is a problem, which I'm not sure it is, but if it is, it, it, the first thing you would wanna do is encourage farmers and foresters to use methods that will um, sink as much carbon as possible into the ground and into trees and plants. That is not the program, however. Um, all of these programs are pushed forward with a narrative that when you really start drilling down doesn't make much sense. So anyway, they're already taking the farms away from the Dutch farmers and there have been a lot of protests. In Ireland- and so this, this, this is the slippery slope. If it can happen in the Netherlands, it could happen in Kansas. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they've talked about it in Canada. In Ireland, the farmers have been told they need to get rid of a million cows. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see whether that happens. They want, I don't know, 260,000 or 300,000 cows per year to be culled. Um, we also know that around the world, particularly in the United States, but around the world, there has been enormous culling of chickens with the claim that they are they may be suffering from avian flu, avian influenza, bird flu. Now, in 2003-2004 when avian influenza first showed up in the United States, it had come from Asia and it was a disease that had killed some people, but it's never killed a single American. Subsequent to to that time, 20 years later, it has mutated enough that it is not virulent to humans. So none of the humans in the United States that have tested positive for avian influenza in the last few years have been ill. Maybe a cold. That's it. They haven't All been. Right. So you're, you're, you're basically saying that there's really no basis. There's no logical basis to 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 having having a group of people look at this from a global perspective and making decisions all over the world, because some of it is based upon exaggerations or right. nonsense, bullshit. Okay. <laughs> so, if, if right. you, so if you take a chicken that is in, infected with avian flu at the moment and cook it, you can't catch it from a cooked chicken. Okay. And it also doesn't cause any symptoms, but so by what happens is in the United States and other countries, um, if, if there's a sick chicken, you have to test it with probably a PCR test for bird flu. If it's positive, you have to call all the chickens in that chicken house, which could be a million chickens. And so um, about 70 million chickens were culled in the last year in the United States, but 200 million chickens were culled worldwide because all the countries are going along with this. All right, so, so, so we, we've got some, so, so, all right, so so we have these amendments 
that the that this group of people with the WHO wants to sponsor, push through, turn it into blow up the Treaty of Westphalia, so there's no sovereignty. Um, combine the plants, animals, climate change, I guess, you know, conservation as well under plants, and then the food process, and have it dictated through people who are not elected officials at the WHO based in Geneva, uh, nuking people's health autonomy. Uh, they're o overtaking their businesses. Right. Um, Deep, it's, not just it's not just depopulation or anything like that of humans, but it's also depopulation of, of animals. Correct. And um, they have issued guidelines for sex education of our children, which have been used in uh, the UK and in European countries. Well, you know, the UN came out with something uh, within the last year, uh, raising the issue, although they haven't taken any action, at least they may have behind closed doors, but I don't know of it publicly other than the fact that, you know, they thought that they did say publicly that maybe we should re revisit uh, the issue of age of consent for sex. Correct. This mm -hmm. is extremely concerning. I mean, there is no good reason for this suggestion. They're claiming that uh, sex, uh, if consensual at any age, should be decriminalized. Which, which means, let's just translate it. This means that, you know, for the decriminalization of pedophilia. That, that, that is where this is going. Absolutely. Because basically saying that there's no wall there, that if somebody is attracted to a minor, that it's okay, the parents wouldn't have a say in it. it you know, that, that's the most extreme. We haven't gotten there, but that's where this is going in terms of the, the, the no boundaries for the protection of children. Yeah, um, and a, a group of jurists were commissioned to write a report on um, AIDS, you know, HIV, sexually transmitted disease, et cetera. To how, to, let's, how do we modify the law to make things better for people with these conditions? And this was one of the recommendations this group of mostly European jurists came up with. So, so that was published, I don't know, a year or two ago. You know, there was there, uh, over almost a quarter of a century when I first started investigating human trafficking in all its faces all over the world. One of the myths that was out there in, in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, was if, if you were a man and you had AIDS, that you, in fact, if you had sex with a virgin, you would be cured of it. Now, it's a total myth. It was a justification for raping kids. But that is that is one of the notions that was spread around uh, when people were trying to argue that, you know, no, I, I, I did it because there was a good reason. Nonsense. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that um, our, our, the rest of our law, our current law, says children don't have agency, that children cannot make those decisions, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that is the law that we have to maintain. Very important. Um, the, the U.S. government is trying to destroy this law, age of consent law also by saying the that- The Biden administration. Yes. The, the, the Biden, let's be careful about this. It's not everybody in the U.S. government, but it's definitely on the far left of the Biden administration where they want it, they want to decriminalize pedophilia. So, but not only that, they want um, children age twelve and up to be able to um, choose their own vaccinations, mm -hmm. knowing that there's a lot of peer pressure on kids, and they are creating and already have school clinics where children, without their parents being notified, not only can get vaccinated with whatever they want or whatever the school wants, but can get 
treated for STDs can get birth control and, and can potentially get gender um, modification advice and treatment. So this is another uh, very scary usurpation of parental authority without going around the law. There's no law supporting it, but it's being done anyway. This is what we saw you know, throughout COVID is uh, the federal government and some state governments just ignored the existing law and did what they wanted and felt they could get away with it under the emergency laws. Well, we're out of the emergency and they're doing the same thing. All right. So, Merle, we have to, you know, the, the th- you and I are in the weeds of, of, of all of this. OK. And, and we've traveled internationally. We know a lot of people. I, I like the idea that you and David Bell and others have come together and, and we want to support you in this for your door to freedom page, which I think is, is excellent. I looked at it. It's, it's people need to go. How, how do they is it door to freedom dot org or door to freedom dot yes. Door You've got the KISS theory in play because there's a, the, there's a volume of information to connect the dots on this. It's, it's a simple website. And, and you, have, you have in the Door to Freedom, you know, the, the amendments, what was taken out. It's a step-by-step where people have to understand what is happening internationally that affects people nationally here in the United States. And it's, it's affecting every country in the world because we have some people who basically want to take over the sovereignty of, of damn near every country. Yes, exactly. And we show people think, no, that couldn't possibly happen in the United States. Our constitution protects us. And we show in a poster how actually our constitution doesn't protect us because there are three Supreme Court decisions that show that treaties are considered the supreme law of the land and um, can, can supersede other law. So we have to fight this. We may be able to fight it at the level of the states because according to the constitution, the states have authority over our healthcare, not the federal government. So if the federal government doesn't have it, the federal government can't give it to the WHO. And uh, we, we know this having lived through, well, we're not completely out of the box in terms of COVID because God knows what, what could happen in the next six months. But we do know that there were federal steps that were taken in the Biden administration, even though they were illegal, even though they lost in court, the decisions were still being made. And then you had to wait until the, the courts came down on the right side. So we know that there's a governance by executive order regardless of what the the legal precedents are for those decisions. Um, And basically the the lawyers are the only ones that win because they're the ones that go to court. So if we know that this has already happened during COVID, people should not be as unconscious about thinking that this couldn't happen where you have six regional directors and the, and the, Secretary Director of the WHO with God knows how many people like from Gates to to Zuckerberg to Klaus Schwab to Kissinger, if he's still around, you know, who are influencing this global perspective of policy that basically changes the the landscape of democracy and sovereignty. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So t- tell us about the website and what you have, because I want people to go there. I want to drive some traffic there for you, um, because it's, it, I, I think it, you walk through and, and it's organized very well. So I like the KISS theory, keeping it simple um, for people to, to, to grasp, because this is an issue, folks, that you need to take a look at 
that that is not yet part of the national discussion for 2024 here in the United States for the presidential campaign. And by God, we need to have it in there. Yeah, thanks. So what um, our group did, doortofreedom.org, is to put all the WHO documents in one place. So you can, it's easy to find them, click on them, read them. We also have 25 two-minute articles on all the subjects we've talked about, on the food control, sex education, the treaty, the uh, international health regulation amendments, what is the WHO, what is the World Economic Forum, who are the young global leaders, um, all these subjects we've tried to create a, a 500 to 1,000 word um, quickie that you in two minutes you can find out what's going on. Then if you want, you can go to longer articles to learn more. We also have a very important poster that shows exactly what laws, what treaties, et cetera, are causing the potential loss of sovereignty to the United States. That's critically important and your Congress members need to see it. Now there are 50 Congress members, all Republicans, who have become knowledgeable about this subject and who have co-sponsored a bill, HR 79, to exit the WHO and to defund the WHO. And, and in an extraordinary manner, they have managed to keep the defunding of the WHO in our, um, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the bill, the no, it, it's the bill that uh, pays for everything. Appropriations. Thank you. So in, so last week in the, in the appropriations bill, 61 members of the committee, bipartisan, agreed to continue the defunding of the WHO. So we have that in the appropriations bill that is now going to the whole Congress, will be voted on in the next couple of months. And we need people to keep up the pressure. You've got to talk to your congressmen and senators and explain why it's critical to defund and exit the WHO, which is the only way we can absolutely pre prevent the WHO from taking over our health care at any time the Director General of the WHO declares a public health emergency of international concern. And correct me if I'm wrong about this. Since the WHO was created, the only president that has come out that said we're going to pull out, the U.S. is going to pull out of the WHO was Donald Trump. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's it was an issue when he was president. Um, it became another issue for for Biden because immediately afterwards, uh, which is kind of ironic when we think about this, Merle. I, you know, the person that President Biden chose to announce that the, the U.S. was back in the WHO actually was Anthony Fauci. I remember <laughs> I remember looking at the at the. Um, it was, a, I don't know, it was a podcast or something like that. And his wife, Christine Grady, was sitting next to him in their home as he was making the announcement back to the WHO. I mean, it, it's it, it, there's, a, there's a real line of demarcation. People need to know if you're for or against the Ukraine, you know, giving all the $113 billion to Ukraine. This is a black and white issue. Are you for the WHO? Are you for pulling out of the WHO? And the reason is why. That, that, should, that should be a debate question if these guys ever have a debate. Correct. Now, Trump made a mistake. Um, he defunded the WHO, but then he gave an equal amount of money to Gavi, which is Bill Gates' 
vaccine charity. And then Gavi went ahead and donated most of that money back to the WHO. So I don't think he'd make that second mistake twice, though. I think I, I think he's, I, I, I have a tendency to believe that Donald Trump has learned his lesson about Bill Gates at this point. Yes. And and then Biden donated voluntarily a whole lot more to the WHO to make up for what Trump had taken away. So they actually got more out of the deal than they would have otherwise. But um, yeah, it's a very dangerous organization. It hasn't done anything at all constructive for the United States or the developing nations. And what it's done for the developing, for, sorry, for the developed nations and the developing nations, um, there are other charities that take care of them. So for instance, the, the Global Fund for AIDS, TB and Malaria, um, which has many billions of dollars a year and the federal government donates to them too, they could manage the programs that the WHO is doing, and and people would not lose out. But the um, problem with the problem with the the Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria is that they actually had they had sort of an, an internal inspector general's office, and they had uh, hundreds of uh, investigations that went on. Even even of uh, Dr. Tedros, who was the minister of health at Ethiopia at the time, and they found out that the money that was going into the fund, that was going into the countries would have the 5% taken off. People are paying bribes all the way down. And some of the, some of the projects like hospitals did not have running, you know, running water, electricity, uh, you know, and when in fact the, the guys were saying, well, no, they're up and running. And in fact, they don't even have yes. any windows. Yes. So it's, you know, the, these global funds uh, have, have a, a fertile ground for fraud, corruption, paying people off, uh, you know, and, and it's, it just comes with the territory. If, if you give a whole bunch of money to people and they don't have any financial independent, and I don't want to say there's a difference between having an internal inspector general's office and having an independent, if you have an independent financial oversight committee, they dictate to the board. That's the way, that's the way it should work for these. Uh, if you don't, then you end up having the leadership at the top. And if you have a fraudulent leadership, then the practices below them is going to create corruption. Yes. And, Look, it's, and it's a problem. It's a problem at the, at the UN. It's a problem at WHO. It's a problem at UNESCO. It's a problem at UNICEF. The UN has had internal corruption problems, whether it's human trafficking or whether it's an, the oil deal under Kofi Annan years ago. I mean, this is not new. We can foresee this because we've all had experience on how this has played out in the last 50 years. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, all of these organizations are corrupt. There's no question. And probably the programs they uh, are responsible for would be better handled by churches or by local charities on a much smaller level. But this is what this is the structure we have now. And it's a means to get taxpayer money to organizations that are corrupt. Um, you know, when government- oh, It's called money laundering. Yeah, exactly. It's a method of money laundering. So what is it that the public should do? They should go to your website, get educated, now, yes. you have a page there, you know, with instructions, okay, now that you're educated and where are you? I mean, you, you want to convince them that we should be pulling out, the U.S. should be pulling out of the WHO. It should be part of the 2024 presidential debate, certainly. And it should be at the, at the gubernatorial level as well. If, 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 you know, if Biden wins again, 
and this moves forward, then the only fight left is what on the state level? If Biden wins again, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, Maybe so, I should have rephrased that, but I mean, he's sitting in the White House. Let me put it that I, way. If he still is in the White House, okay? And in 2025. Okay. So in um, May of next year, all the nations will vote on the treaty and the amendments. Now, we don't have a final version yet, and we may not even see a final version until a few weeks before they vote, because the, the WHO has been cagey about giving out uh, the, the versions uh, and waiting sometimes several months before it releases a version of the treaty. Because again, 194 nations are negotiating the language of, of these documents. But when that happens, if the treaty goes through as it's written now, um, once 30 countries sign on, it could go into effect provisionally in a month. And much of it could be written actually after it's voted on. The, the current version. What is, how does, okay. So, so, so in other words, this is, this is squiggly. Okay. So this is set up for people to get what they want, no matter what. So this Correct. is a Machiavellian model of negotiation that the ends justify the means. So what's the best game here to play? Put your pressure on your senators and your congressmen. Put the pressure on everybody who's up for election in 2024. Get this into debate. Turn this into a national conversation. I mean, it's a global conversation because it's a global issue. But at the same time, how, if, you know, if America, if America elects somebody who doesn't go along with this, that, that there's, a, there's a domino effect to that. Globally. Yeah. So, yeah, what... Look, the vast majority of the people know nothing about this. It has not been in the mass media. Um, most people are not talking about it. We are very lucky that we've gotten the 50 congressmen on board, but we have, you know, 400 more people in Congress that we also have to get on board. Um, Do you have a list of those 50 Republicans up on your website? No, thank you. I will. Okay. All right. And, and, and we're going to link to that and we're going to get people to go to this because it's important for people to know who those 50, who those 50 are that want to pull out of the WHO based upon this, this argument. And then also people who should be looking at this and speaking out. And, and, and then it's up to our jobs in the media to ask them, you know, why aren't you paying attention to this or where do you fall down on this? Exactly. Because people, it, this is, this is, this is as easy as saying, do you want $113 billion to go to Ukraine? And do you want it for humanitarian aid or you want it for a proxy board to take out Putin? I mean, it's that simple. This is basically as simple as that. You want WHO to be funded to take away the sovereignty of Americans. Yeah. And, and if you are, why are you, why, why, why did you, you know, why did you swear that you'd hold up the constitution and what are you doing sitting in an elected official's office? Exactly. Let me just mention a couple of things. The, um, doc, these documents require countries to censor their citizens and only allow the WHO's ideas about public health to be. So this, so this is going to use. This is going to try to usurp all of the censorship precedents in law that we have before the courts right now, and that the, basically the WHO can shut me up as a journalist if I Correct. challenge. So it's exactly. going to put investigative journalists out of business. It's going to put people who are whistleblowers out of business if you don't go along with six or seven people at the head of WHO. Correct. 
Correct. You will. Okay. You so, will. so every journalist should be should be engaged with this thing, and because uh, they have a stake in the game, they have a stake. Exactly. All right. They want digital IDs and passports, and they're telling you they're doing you a favor by requiring them, because <laughs> there are people who can't prove who they are, so they're going to do them a favor and give them a digital passport. Um, of course, this is going to restrict travel across nations. The WHO will have the right to close borders. It will have the right to impose lockdowns, masks, vaccinations, etc. Another thing the WHO and the U.S. government want to do, and CEPI, which is a, a charity that was founded by Bill Gates, another vaccine charity, if a, a pandemic or a biological warfare event is declared, they want a vaccine ready to go to vaccinate the entire U.S. in 130 days, four now, months. But let, let, and let me add to that too, Merle. That, that we have documents from the uh, Office of Science and Technology and the Biden administration folks that uh, their goal, their goal in September of 2021 was to create a seasonal mandated coronavirus vaccination. That is their documents, not somebody else's. They're in the White House. Uh, they're part of the Biden administration. So when people talk about these vaccinations and it's WHO, we're talking about a puppet of an administration that is sitting in the White House today that actually mirrors uh, what the WHO envisions globally. Exactly. Now, Americans have smartened up and only 17%, according to CDC, which may even be high, um, have taken a bivalent booster. But uh, the FDA and CDC are rolling out a new COVID booster, a messenger RNA booster. It'll be ready with the flu shots um, the end of August or September. And uh, this plan is to make that mRNA vaccines, you know, and roll them out for everybody. And they are very insistent that Africa has to get them too. They don't want anyone to be left behind unvaccinated. And they will probably, if the WHO is in charge, it will use all sorts of draconian measures. We can't even imagine what they are to make sure everyone gets vaccinated the next time. But of course, if you roll out a vaccine in 130 days, what does that mean? It means you did not have the time to test it in humans. You have no idea what the side effects are going to be. You have no idea if it's going to work. It's completely dangerous. It's it's the most... Uh, crazy idea it, it's just it, it's taking so, so here's your here's your headline merle for your door to freedom.org if you don't want this to happen again get behind door to freedom.org and stop and pull out of the who i mean there's no other option here because they're going to go ahead they're going to keep it going so the fight needs to begin now pull out the who pull out of it absolutely that's what we need Thank you. Wow. It is, it is, uh, you know, I, I, I have to believe, even though many people have not been as outspoken as others, I have to believe that most people in Western society do not want to see this happening again. I have to believe that because if it, it, that just, I mean, to me, that just gives me hope that this would never happen again because it's outrageous what has happened economically, socially, within families, within communities. You know, I, I still go back to sh shutting down the, the gyms, shutting down the beaches, shutting down the surfing, you know, keeping the liquor stores open and shutting down the churches. I mean, it, it, you know, there was like nobody smart at the table. Well, that's, you know, I mean, this, this is so, so, so egregiously, 
ignorant. Um, and it had nothing to do with, it didn't even mirror the first global preparedness pandemic plan that uh, Jim Zietlow designed for the Department of Defense in 2007 that was actually implemented in 2009 uh, when they had no mandated masks, no mandated vaccinations, no no shutting down of the world. It was just, you know, people who were sick were quarantined and they, they had early treatments. Yes, of course. It's, it is just, you know, w- when you think about it and you think about how, how these people wiggled their way into doing things that just were hurtful. Just hurtful at the well, time. It was I, I think this is great. I think this campaign's terrific. We're going to push it out. We want to support it. You can take our global shows for the conversations that you want on Sunday and put it on there. I think that this is uh, the door to freedom.org. Merle, who else is involved? I know our, our dear friend and contributor, David Bell, Dr. David Bell, who has worked at WHO. He's been a consultant there. He's worked for, for Gates, too, no longer. Um, but you know, who else is involved with this project? So James Roguski, mm-hmm. um, James Corbett, um, Liz Evans, and Claire Craig, who are doctors from the UK, who have been fighting this battle in the UK, um, and uh, many others, uh, people from... CHD and the Sovereignty Coalition, which is sovereign. That's Reggie Littlejohn mm-hmm. and Frank. Been on our show too. Yeah. No, it's this is. I, I think this is. A, this is a path to victory. Uh, I, I think this is a path to educating people. And again, doortofreedom.org. Go to that page. It's simple to read, folks. It's very clear. It's very focused on this one issue, but it leaves no option other than pull out if you want to maintain, pull out of the WHO if you want to maintain your freedom. If not, then you're, you're tossing, you're, you're tossing your, your hat into a codependency that is not livable. Well, if you thought what, what they did to us during COVID was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. On that note, Dr. Merle Ness, thank you very much. Come back anytime. And, you know, we will fully support this, these efforts to wake people up. Thank you, Merle. Thank you.